Herbert is being chased, thrown on the run, and it is caught. Touchdown, Keenan Allen. What a grab. That's what I'm talking about. Hey, that's what I'm talking about. That's the Warrior spirit right there, boy. Huge sack by Joey Bosa. 90-yard touchdown. 90-yard touchdown. It's going to be picked off at the 8-yard line by Derwin James. Herbert sets his feet, takes a shot downfield, has Knighton. That's the greatest throw I've ever seen. Yes, hello, welcome all. The Thunder Down Under Chargers podcast. I'm your host, Andy Prophet, joined by my Aussie brethren, Jack and Alistair. Hello, boys. Good day. Hey, mate. How are we going? Not good. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, not amazing, but hey. And a little bit of a special edition today. Great friend of the show, the Cali King himself, Carl Di Dominicantonio. Who's the AC double fuck are you? I'm Kyle. California. <laughs> <laughs> Kyle. 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 Please, Kyle. Yes, Kyle. That's good, Kyle. Welcome, mate. Thanks for joining us on the show. I am just happy to be here for emotional support. I know everyone's a little crushed right now, so who the AT double together. fuck are you? <laughs> I, uh, I'm surprised you guys. I'm surprised you guys didn't cancel me and just bring on a therapist personally because this is gonna. This is a rough weekend, man. This is a rough yeah. one. Yeah. I hear you, man. It was. Many, many needs for cuddling and, uh, yeah, emotional support is, is, um, is pretty bang on. Look, yeah, like I said, thanks for joining us again. It's always a treat to have you on the show and, um, and pick your brain. Uh, look, real, real difficult to stomach that result. We'll get really into, into depth on that. How's life? How you been other than, other than Chargers football, uh, this week? Um, been an exciting start to the season. You good? Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. All's good, man. All's good. It's, uh, all, all 22 has been screwing us over a little bit. That's been a bummer for oh, just us football fans. That was a rough week. Um, I, I'm trying to do my numbers crunching for defense, and I wasn't able to get to it till like I did. I, didn't, I don't know about you guys. I didn't get the all 22 footage until like Wednesday evening. Yeah. And and then once once you get there, it like it makes it so for those of us that are trying to screen record and capture things, you know, it grays it out. So you have to screen record the entire thing and then go back and convert it to an MP4, but. It's all good. It's all good. Just been tough stomaching that loss along with this other stuff that's going on. I went out and played hockey that night and I, I stress ate so much during that game. I wasn't even, I wasn't having beers or anything because I knew I had a game, but I just stress ate. And by the time I got to the rink, I couldn't move. I was just, yeah. just immobile, just could barely get around, thought I had to puke the whole time. It was brutal, man. So here we are. Yeah. Well, I, I, <laughs> I can say for absolute certain that uh, Alistair and I both stress drank during that um, that viewing as we we watched after work on uh, Friday night our time and yeah yeah look we'll, we'll get we'll get stuck right into it. Thanks again for coming on the show and joining us. We're really excited to have you on. Um, thanks also to our great listeners, you guys out there, um, our fans. We appreciate you. Usual drill. If you're new, welcome. Thank you. Please be sure to hit the like and subscribe buttons so we can help spread our content to the amazing Chargers fans like you guys out in the internet world. Um, and Kyle here as well. He loves the show. He loves loves subscribing and uh, and liking the videos. So be like Kyle. 
All right, let's uh, let's get right into gear. Second game down of the 2022 season. On the show today, we'll take a look at what went right, what went wrong at Kansas City. Um, uh, a preview of what to expect in week three against the Jacksonville Jaguars. And uh, a bit of a fun game just to, to round the show out. Without further ado, Los Angeles Chargers 24, Kansas City Chiefs 27. The Chargers defense really came to play in the first half, forcing the Chiefs to punt on four of their first five possessions, uh, the first of which coming off the back of a dominant uh, mid-air Derwin James tackle on Travis Kelsey. Fantastic to see. Uh, and a fantastic sideline tackle for loss by the big bear Joey B. And for what started out as a raucous Arrowhead Stadium, the sudden silence was just delightful. Offense without Keenan Allen found a way to take an early 10-point lead before Mahomes replied to have it 10-7 at the main break. Mike Williams cooking. Touchdowns on the opening drives for both sides saw things heating up. Chiefs leveling with a field goal before Justin Her- Herbert threw a red zone interception in ter- intended for Gerald Everett. Returned 99 yards by 7th round rookie corner Jalen Watson for the tutty. Down 24-17 and with Herbert under constant pressure as Chris Jones was having his way with Matt Filer, the Chiefs put the game all but out of reach with another field goal, the margin drifting out to 10 points with just three and a half minutes to play. With what appeared to be a pretty debilitating rib injury, Justin Herbert got the Chargers down the field in two minutes for the score, but with only one timeout left, Mahomes took knees and there the game ended. Chargers go 1-1 one and one with the Chiefs, improving to 2-0 and oh and taking the lead in the division. Uh, they take the first bout in what should be a great second coming with when these two teams meet later in the year. Kyle, mate, your big takeaway from the game. Hit us up. Uh, you know, if I'm trying to give myself the positive spin, the big takeaway was it seemed like one of those games, and we've said this time and time again as Charger fans, but I think it's really compounded in this game, that it seemed like it, the Chiefs needed every single thing to go their way for the Chargers to lose this game. I feel better about it than I would have if we went in there and the Chiefs just really kind of romped us a little bit, even with the injuries. I think we showed that our roster is what we believed it was in the offseason. And it just it took injuries to what what did we what did we talk about? Like three or four major starters. Um Allen, Lindsley, Pipkins, um a couple others sprinkled in there, but those are the main guys right there. And then those three potential INTs that didn't go our way. Biggest takeaway, I think, though, is I cannot stand any media pundit that wants to elevate Patrick Mahomes and him having not thrown any interceptions that game over Justin Herbert for the one pick that Justin threw just because the one time he made a mistake, mm. somebody had sticky hands. So that kills me. That that was rough to hear all week, or for yeah. the last couple of days. Yeah, tend to agree with you, Jack. Mate, your takeaway. I think to build off Kyle's point, it's a game of inches, right? Uh, the two interceptions, uh, Sunday Samuel's drop that seemingly hit the ground. I thought he actually got his hand underneath it, and that is a half a second to a quarter of a second technique thing I was wondering actually I was watching the game with a dear friend of mine from school who's actually an AFL football coach he coaches he doesn't coach in the AFL but he coaches Australian football and he said well why didn't he just take the ball in his hands and just and just leave it there why did he have to go and try and tuck it 
Interesting point um, and something that I perhaps, Kyle, I don't know if, if you've grown up playing um, American football. Why why did Asante Samuel Jr. look to go and tuck it under him rather than just keeping it in his hands a la Julian Edelman on that uh, incredible catch in the, in the Super Bowl? Why is that? Is, is, is that just a technique thing that players are taught to when they've got an interception to tuck it so it doesn't get dropped is, is, or punched out? Is that right? Or what's, what's well, the go looked, there? Yeah, it looked like to me he was trying to roll it into his forearm. Like he was tucking it, like you said, so he could get up and potentially run with it is what it looked like to me. You kind of leaned to one side and brought it right into that forearm, and that is where you would be holding it if you were running with the football. So it looked like you could even argue, if you wanted to, that it's almost like he was making that, you know, coveted first football move um, that really often completes a catch for players. Um, but I think I, I think I saw what you saw, and that one was ticky-tacky, right? It was – it's a bam-bam play – I don't know how they could say they had enough to overturn it. And it's not only Chargers fans that are saying that if you hop on the, the bird app. But mm-hmm. yeah, that's that would be my guess, Jack. But I, I there's no yeah. way to know for sure for me. Yeah. And I mean, I think we can kind of forgive that one because you're right. Perhaps he's, he's actually making the move that he's practiced and trained and told to do. But that second one in the end zone, you know, that one, I believe, if he gets that, that's a pick six. He's, no one's catching mm-hmm. him there. Absolute daylight. Um, absolute daylight it's a game of inches and i really think this game showed that it's a game of inches and it's just really disappointing i mean i was the the amount of times that you get up and yell and scream because you think you've got a pick and then all of a sudden you're completely deflated because it's been called back man it always seems to happen against the chiefs and uh, i was completely spent by the end of it so (laughs) that's kind of what what my main takeaway game of inches if, if one or two of those things go our way, other than all the Chiefs' way with all those bloody flags and all that kind of stuff, um, I think mm. we win this game. But it yeah. is what it is, hey? Execution, execution, execution. And Kyle was saying, you know, Herbert really just had the one turnover-worthy play or maybe two and it cost him. Mahomes, there were at least four missed interception opportunities in that game. A couple were taken away from the refs. I thought the one to Adley where it was called illegal contact on Bryce Callahan was questionable. I thought the receiver initiated contact on that. But then there were others as well. I mean, Derwin James intercepted him off a Nasir Adley pass interference. There was one where Asante himself in our uh, in the Chiefs red area jumped in front of Jody Fortson drop that he could have gone 99 yards in the other direction it's a good pbu asante played really well overall but there were those opportunities even van noy almost got his hands on one so you take one or two of those and it's a a very different scoreline one thing that stood out to me i'm very interested to hear your thoughts on it as a group the to me the obvious change in how brandon staley is approaching some of this fourth down decision making at least stood out to me very early in the game on the Chargers' initial drive, on a fourth and one of the Chiefs' 11-yard line, Gerald Everett had just rumbled through, got about eight yards to land just near the first down marker. It's a fourth and one. We elect to kick a field goal to go up 3-0. I feel like the old Brandon Staley's going for it there to try and build a 7-0 and zero lead. Then throughout the game, there were at least three or four different fourth down decisions where he's elected to punt. I thought the most egregious was one minute remaining in the second quarter. Chargers lead 10 to 7, balls at the Chiefs 48, fourth and two. We decided to pin it, punt and pin them deep into their own end zone. And I was saying to Andy at halftime, geez, it really feels like the score should be more than 10 and 7 here at halftime. This might 
come back to bite us. What are you thinking, Jack? I can see you know some facial expressions about <laughs> the transformation of Brandon Staley on fourth down. Do you are you happy with how it's going? What do you think? See, I listen. I think you're, there's there's some criticism that's fair there. I get it, but this is a new season, and he's got a new defense. The way the defense was playing in that game, I think it's different. The calls are different than they were last season because he just Staley just didn't have the cattle on defense to really trust them. Clearly, last year the offense was far stronger than the defense. This year, I think it's pretty much toe to toe. So, and the way that the game was going, the the script and how it was being written, I do think that those decisions were correct. I think that the way that Bosa and Mack were playing, the defensive line were playing, that Mahomes was under pressure. Now, that goes against everything that every other coach tries to do, which is try to take the ball out of Mahomes' hands. But they were turning the ball over or they were almost turning the ball over. So I think those questions were uh, – sorry, those decisions were justified in my, in my mind. Well, if that, you that, trust that, your defense, wouldn't you, wouldn't you care even less about failing on fourth down? If your defense not- is so good, you fail at fourth and two. They've got to march eighty nine yards down the field. You might get a turnover on defense. Not in the not in the middle of the field, though. Not in the middle of the field. Not, not even with thirty seconds left field. in the half. Oof. Yeah, I don't know, Kyle. What I, do you I, think? I, I think we're gonna be too too harsh there on Staley. Yeah, I think the writing was on the wall. I, I, I'm I'm squarely with Jack here. Uh, you don't go out and. The analytics say he should have gone for it at least three out of those five. Like, it's crystal clear. The math says you go for it. Yeah, but, but then the math also, doesn't talk about your opponent and how the qualitative yeah. thing would come in. So, it, And if you looked at our offseason moves, we completely revamped our defense from where it was before. We paid, them, we paid more money than a long snapper's ever made. We brought in a new kick returner. We brought in a new punter. We, and we kept our offense – Pretty much, you know, pretty much the same. We brought in a couple key pieces. You know, we have a new tight end. Uh, we have a new wide receiver, three, four. But it seemed to me like, just like what Jack was saying, we have a, you know, we have a gangster quarterback. We also have a gangster defense. I get pretty hyped when our defense is on the field. Yeah. The thing that I think is a disconnect right now is it seems like uh, Lombardi is calling plays like last year. Like he has that fourth down. We're getting the fourth and twos. We're getting to fourth and fives. And previously, like you're saying, Alistair, it's not like I'm not saying what you're saying is wrong either. It just seems like we're getting to where we were before as if that was part of Lombardi's plan to not be super aggressive. And then we are kicking or punting. So he's going to need to learn to ramp it up a little bit more, I think, on second down and third down. People are talking about that average depth of target. I know you and I talked about that earlier and that that's something that people are concerned about. If you went back to last year and wiped out all of our fourth down plays, because a lot of those were shots, you know, we, we did sling it a little bit on fourth down because we knew they'd be playing us a lot closer to the line of scrimmage. So if you take a lot of those away, would our average depth of target all of a sudden shrink down? Um, it's a curious thing to think about. So I don't know. There does seem to be a little disconnect there. Just for some people who like the data on the average depth of target, it was six yards in the game. Uh, against the Chiefs. On 50 dropbacks, Herbert threw the ball past the sticks through the air only 36% of the time. The Chargers' average depth of routes, 4.62 yards per per route when the league average is 6.28. Yeah. Um, A big one for me on... A lot of of what what I've heard since the game is media pundits 
really criticizing Joe Lombardi for uh, vanilla play calling. Calling our offense is kind of boring, and I, I tend not to disagree with them. Um, we had 15 pass attempts behind the line of scrimmage. Austin Eckler's average yard of uh, average reception was minus 2.5 yards behind the line of scrimmage. Like mm. that's a lot of balls that are getting thrown in our own backfield. Um, we we had two pass attempts longer than 17 yards. Uh, and Herbert went two for two for two, seventy-four yards. So you know when you're executing, it is a small sample space. But when you're executing well down the field, and you've got the quarterback to do it, and you've even though we don't have Keenan Allen, you've still got the the weapons to be able to achieve that. It just mm. seems like the shutters were on, and we just didn't really look like we were taking them off. And that's not now, the Andy. kind of. Do you think some of that's to do with the fact that Lindsley was in the game versus not? Because when Lindsley was in the game, it was 8.18 yards per attempt. As soon as he came out, it was 3.10 yards through the air per attempt. Is this Herbert making calls? Is it Lombardi not trusting Clapp and Norton? Or do you think this is something you've noticed from Lombardi longer than just this one game? Well, let me put it this way. When Corey Lindsley was on the field, we only put up 10 points anyway. So even though the the approach was greater and there was obviously more trust in our starting center, I don't think Will Clapp was that bad. That's because um, Staley was being a bitch in the first half. Yeah. Well. <laughs> Jeez, there's a lot of hate on here today. Far <laughs> out, man. We are we are wow. a little bit over what. 48, 72 hours since the thing, and Alistair is still really struggling to. I'm ropeable because Lombardi was calling a really good first half. The team was moving the ball, and to Carl's point, we're in these fourth and shorts where he's ready to go for it. This is what the Chargers do. Let's beat the Chiefs in Arrowhead. No punts, 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 punts. Field goal. You give Mahomes a three point margin at the half, you will lose the game. See, but yeah, I, I talked about last Especially if you're going to go back week. into your shell in the second half and play conservative, we are trying to not lose this game. Hey, and then the than... injuries happen. That's I You mean, never know why that's happened. That's why you seize the momentum while you have it. Listen, I spoke about lack of cohesion last week and I, a lot of people, well, I think Andy, you were like, no, I think there was cohesion. I think this week we saw a lack of cohesion between what, as Kyle has pointed out beautifully, mm. what Lombardi is trying to do and what I think his... I guess, you know, what his, uh, his experience is telling him and what, what Staley's going. So I reckon there's a lack of communication there. I want to highlight that I don't think Gerald Everett's to blame for that interception mm. pick, pick, at pick six. He's not. If you look at him and it's, it was great vision of him on the sidelines going, Hey man, I'm gassed. I'm mm. absolutely cooked here as an offensive play caller or I'm now I'm going to start put of perhaps putting Herbert in the gun a little bit here. Mm. The first couple of weeks I've seen Herbert probably a little more confused than I can remember seeing him last year. Uh, whether it's thinking about, do I go for that first down or do I slide, do I go? Do I slide, do I go? I'm running around, I don't know where to go. Whether that's because Lombardi's putting more on Justin Herbert now because it's his second year in the offense, it's not Everett's fault. He was gassed as a play caller, whether it's a quarterback or Lombardi, you've got to go, okay, I probably shouldn't be scheming this up here. Well, we went tempo, Jack. It's a great point. They came up to the line, ran tempo first and 10 at the Chiefs eight or whatever it was, Everett had just completed a 30-yard catch. Why are we in a rush to get the snap off? First, I have no idea. And go back to him. And this is this game management. I mean, Kyle, what what did you see in this? this, this, I feel like Justin Herbert has perhaps a little more on his shoulders. Have you seen something along those lines? Or what do you think of that Everett and that lack of perhaps cohesion between Staley, Lombardi, etc.? 
I agree with you that I, I, I don't know who to put the blame on for that play, but I just know it's not Everett. He got us there. He got us to that point. And he said, you've got to be able to communicate. And he did in that, in that sense and said, I am gassed. Get me out. And for whatever reason, I don't know if it's Herbert that said, no, we're going, or Staley or Lombardi. I couldn't catch on the feed uh, yeah. who made that call. But Herbert needs to get to the line. And, uh, Herbert had to have seen that as well. And if he didn't, he probably should have been able to read Everett's body language a little bit, or I'm sure Everett said something, because he was telling everyone, I'm gassed, get me out. Uh, To then target him to a spot was a mental, like, lapse for Herbert, because he he threw it to a spot that he was expecting Everett to get to when Everett was gassed. And good on the Chiefs player. Like, they get paid to... They're, they're showing up to collect the paycheck. And like, like we've all heard already, the guy was like at a gro- working at a grocery store, getting his, make, making his way through college two years ago. It's a feel-good story. Why the heck he got a pick and Asante didn't get one of the four <laughs> opportunities he had blows my mind. But um, I, I don't see Herbert failing to grasp the offense yet. I felt like he had a mental lapse yeah. there. What I am disappointed about is we got all this talk about how his first year or his first time in a system for two consecutive years, we've already taught him the basics. Now we're going to get to do the fun stuff. What do you, you promised us that in the offseason, Lombardi. What is the fun stuff? Like, is the fun stuff your double reverse pass behind the line? Because that wasn't oh. fun for me. Oh, it wasn't fun so for fun. anyone. You have a cerebral <laughs> quarterback. Those are the kind of trick plays you do when you have a quarterback that can't read progressions like Herbert can, that can't do some of that crazier, more fun stuff. So Come on. If that worked for a 50-yard completion, we'd be hailing him as a genius. I don't, don't mind work. the occasional trick play. <laughs> well, Chargers yeah. never run them, so I don't mind trying it. Maybe not on a second and two. But you know, you know um, how I feel what Lombardi is? Lombardi is this guy that doesn't go out with his mates for like months and months, and he's just like, nah, sorry, guys. I'll come out for one. Or I'm driving, guys, so I can, I can take people home. Then there's that time when he just goes, he just gets so drunk that he's the party pest and he just goes, oh, yeah, and he just, and everyone has to look after him. There's this, there's this dichotomy between like what he's calling there, generally. And then all of a sudden this weird spot, he just launches and it's, it, it's probably at this child's birthday party where he decides to drink 20 beers and go nuts. <laughs> and, and, and that's, that's where I see it. I, I find, you know, one of my questions was like, is Lombardi dynamic enough? Does he have the, or is he just too Jekyll and Hyde? I don't know. Alistair, I know you were going to say something just before, but I just wanted to throw that in there. No, that was good. Why don't I say something positive? Cause I'm clear fired up on today's show. It's been a really <laughs> rough few days for the listeners. Uh, yeah, very disappointing. Um, I want to be positive. Josh Kelly, for mine, keeps making the most of every possible opportunity. And it's got to the point where I think he's earned more snaps. And Eckler is, is struggling a little bit running the ball. Michelle has been okay in patches. Josh Kelly has made almost every carry a winner. He had 20 yards after contact in this game from his, you know, four attempts for 22 yards. And he did the same thing against the Raiders. So I wouldn't mind seeing a little bit more of him. And then another positive, Zion Johnson, outstanding performance. I'll throw to, I'll throw back to you, Jack, as I'll, yeah, I'll let you burst out of the seams to talk about him. But what a, what a performance by a second game rookie. 
I was watching him go against, go obviously up against Chris Jones for a majority of the game. And Chris Jones is not a small human being, mind you. So he's probably one of the larger defensive tackles, not only in just his, his physical size in terms of length of, of leverage in his arms and his legs, but just he's a massive man. And I tell you what. Zion Johnson has got a grip of inside those shoulders and he's just holding him, holding him, holding him, holding him. I can't remember seeing Chris Jones be stopped by, uh, let alone a second game player like that. I thought he was outstanding for the job that he had to do. Incredible, incredible, incredible. Um, generally, though, the offensive line, I'm, I'm a little bit worried. I've, I sort of had my rankings here. When Lindsley and Slater are on the field, they're complete players, both in the passing game and in the, and the run blocking game. Corey Lindsley obviously brings the leadership importance. We touched on that earlier. Uh, Zion Johnson, he needs a little bit of help in pass protection. But as I said, he stood up far better than um, the, than the other two. Storm Norton had 26 pass blocks. Will Clapp, as as you said, Andy, had 32 pass blocks. He was okay. He I thought okay. he was serviceable. Yeah. Mm, he yeah. Okay. The one thing that I'm now, because I've, I've seen two games and I've got tape on him, is Matt Filer. What's going on? He was he was our worst per PFF, and I know that we not necessarily take grades, um, but that the PFF ratings he was in the red, and that really backed up what I saw on tape. Yep. Um, so I don't know what's going on with him. Whether he's just easing into the year and he needs a bit of time, but uh, yeah, Filer, I'm now saying that he's more of a worry through the first two games than Pipkins is, because again, I thought Pipkins was fairly serviceable. Yeah, Chris Jones is a tough matchup, so let's monitor him over the next few weeks. Um, but agree, he hasn't started off the season too well. Uh, Kyle, could we flip to the other side of the ball? Because I know you've spent quite a bit of time thinking about how this Brandon Staley defense gets deployed, um, particularly because you looked at the Week 18 Raiders matchup last season. <laughs> flip forward now to the present. Are you seeing any differences in how Staley's running his scheme, or how do you think the defense is going? It's, it's night and day. Um, a lot of the responsibilities are still the same for the individual players, but the way he's implementing them are a lot more creative and are, are potentially creating mismatches. And I think the big, the two most telling differences to me are a lack of confidence, or sorry, not a lack, sorry, a previous lack. Now he has an abundance of confidence in his cornerbacks, enough to bring Derwin to the line of scrimmage a lot more oh, yeah. and start utilizing him as a chess piece. We wanted to see more of that last year, but uh, I really feel like early on he was trying, and we were just kind of hemorrhaging yards all over the place. And Chris Harris was a, a total liability. That's total why. liability. Total That's liability. Why. It was disgusting to watch. Yeah. yeah. And uh, now, before, they, he, they were keeping both Derwin and Nas pretty far back. Every now and then, he would float a little bit towards the hook zone, but he would never really he, – he was so rarely coming to the line of scrimmage. And now we're seeing him up there a ton. It's we're Russia, moving him yeah. around like crazy. Yeah, uh, so it's, it's great to see. And the other looks that I believe are going to almost single-handedly change our defense and our success this year is our linebackers are playing at the line of scrimmage a lot more which is great to see because their coverage assignments are so basic, like we've talked about. All they have to do is backpedal to that hook zone and let receivers either go above them and try to knock them back a little bit extra deep yep. to get them over into NASA's uh, little like trap that he's laid out there. He's spying people coming across the field and going over the linebackers trying to get a pick. Um, but 
that or letting those catches come underneath them and, you know, come crashing down on them hard. But when they're sitting at the line of scrimmage like that, they're able to get that first read and not give the lineman a free run at them with speed. Before we had Murray and we had Tranquil or White, whoever it was, sitting about seven, five to seven yards off the line of scrimmage watching the play. And if we only had four guys on the front or, you know, two defensive interior players or interior defensive players and our two edges. Both of our linebackers had a guard coming at them full speed that would just be able to take them out, wash them out of the play completely. And now instead you're seeing Murray is smartly waiting until after, you know, the quarterback has made his adjustments right when the cadence is happening. He's crashing in just before the snap or comes to the line of scrimmage. Um, you know, after the D, after the offense has made their adjustments, he's often coming in with speed and is crashing down on the linemen. We've seen plays where he has physically dominated linemen and then gone across their body, played the gap and a half, whatever he's had to do. Yeah. Or if it's a pass rep, he's come right back. And we can do that because the linebackers have an easy assignment. So we need to be doing that more. Um, yeah. So that's been great. And then the like we were saying, Derwin floating around everywhere has been fantastic. And there's been a couple other weird looks that we've had. Um, I agree. For the first time, I've seen us run with one interior defensive player and then, you know, just have it bring in an extra linebacker or actually one time we brought in an edge, one uh, interior defensive player. So we had like a three-man front, but then we brought two linebackers to the line of scrimmage and had six DBs behind them. And that was... Yeah, that was a really <laughs> cool look too. So it's getting creative, guys. It's getting fun. Staley is got his chest full of toys, and it's having a great time with them. But uh, what what is something that you've noticed, Jack? What about the defense that you really liked? Yeah, that's that's. Um, I'm going to throw something back to you in a second, um, and it's about JC Jackson and just the technique because uh, I sort of wanted a, perhaps an American mm. to, to analyze it there. But um, one hundred percent right. <laughs> I'll just, I'm very cognizant of the fact that we're Australian and I'm talking about the technique of things and, you know, what is technique in the AFL game and, and what is technique in the NFL game. So, uh, I thought, as you said, that amoebic or that, that really interesting defensive front, I was seeing Bosa line up, you know, with a good two to three meters of, of, uh, of, of, gap or air between him and a defensive tackle and it's really really wide I, I love that so I also thought good. I mentioned on last week's episode the pass rush discipline there was one play that I can remember when Bosa sold the house to go around the outside to try and to get Mahomes and he popped out I generally think though the 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 pocket was kept fairly tight Mahomes was under a hell of a lot of pressure oh, yeah. he just made some incredible throws and he and he was at rather than popping out to the side uh, he was actually stepping up quite a lot which is Kind of where you want Mahomes to be, so I thought that the line was um, was 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 pretty good, and, and Jack, I love that. Amoebic where, front, Jack, where we front. can get this really going, I think, is if Sebastian Joseph Day can lift his game. I think Austin Johnson's playing well, and I think Sebastian Joseph Day so far has been the same or worse than Justin Jones. Watching this game against the Chiefs, he yeah. struggled big time, and week one he struggled too. So he's just one guy to watch. Hasn't quite hit the ground as I was expecting. Yeah. Um, again, I mean, you were you were sort of saying last week in defending his PFF grade, uh, saying that he actually looked better than it was. So interesting. Uh, interesting. Yeah, you've taken taken. You flipped this one. Um, just on Kyle, what I was going to ask you that the JC Jackson coverage on you know Watson and that touchdown. Mm-hmm. To me, that looked like a complete breakdown of technique. He's twisted to the outside. 
and then he has um, he's actually then had to make up ground and, and re- realistically he's missed that interception by a fingernail. Um, is that something that – and then Staley has come out and said, no, he's played the correct coverage. But is that something we really want to be seeing from arguably the best cornerback in football? I don't know. I was a bit worried looking at that. There's multiple things about that play that weird me out. Um, number one is that he was on that receiver to begin with because the whole point of bringing J.C. Jackson into this defense was for him to lock down who we saw as the number one threat and then be able to – or either the number one threat or whoever's on the weak side and then he's able to isolate that. Like we don't have to worry about getting JC any help with that one person. So then we flood the defensive coverage to the other side of the field. Um, So for number one, for it to be as weak of a player as it was, no offense to him. He made a great play. He's just, he was on a practice squad last season or two seasons ago, whatever it was like, he's a, he's relatively a no namer. Um, So that was, Odd. So, okay, if it was the weak side guy and we're leaving JC alone and on an island so we can focus on everybody else and overload zones on the other side, then why would JC have over the top help? That doesn't make sense. So it doesn't seem like it was a Staley scheme play. It looked like JC bit on his first move. And if he was supposed to have over the top help, then I think that's okay. If the point of having over the top help is, yes, you're allowed to bite when you see something. If you want to try to get that pick... Because you have the over-the-top help, you can afford to do so. In watching that play a couple times through, nothing indicated to me that Nasir Adderley had that responsibility. Nope, there's he nothing was there. playing. <clears throat> there's nothing. Normally, when they when when Nasir's playing deep, he's normally 15 yards back. He was eight yards back, nine yards back at the time of the snap. So that doesn't add up to me one bit. It's not that he bit on Kelsey and looked like he lined up like he was meant to double him the whole play. So that. And, and, and we could talk about why Staley would be throwing Nasir Adderley under the bus to try to protect uh, JC, too. That's another very weird dynamic to me. That doesn't well, Adderley has gone to the wrong spot. We don't, we don't know. But I, I agree with you. On the rewatch, it, look, it didn't look like there was safety help. Yeah, it was yeah. weird how Staley sort of defended it by saying, no, 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 he, he, it, the coverage was fine. There was just no safety cover over the top. Have you not schemed for that? Like, have you allowed him to bite on the route and know that he's on an island? Uh, yeah, it's interesting. But once again, we're seeing a gash up the up the seam um, for that for mm-hmm. that play. Yeah, that's, uh... I have a quick question that I'm very interested, Jack, to hear your opinion on because I've only heard wrinkles of it recently, whispers about it. Some criticism that Brandon Staley did not take Herbert out of the game. Mm-hmm. at the point in which he showed ostensible anguish. And are you not protecting your players in a spot where you should as the head coach there? What do I think? Mm-hmm. Herbert makes Her, Herbert's a grown man. He makes his own decisions. He's a leader on that team. It's a watershed moment for leadership as well. There, I can... I sort of, in my head, I was thinking of the Matthew Stafford when he separated his shoulder in that <laughs> final drive yeah. and he's screaming in pain, screaming in pain and going, you know, oh, that kind of sound. <laughs> and he, he comes back on the field and he throws that touchdown. He's yeah, oh, and he's sort of whimpering. It's out, it's out, it's out. It's out, yeah. <laughs> it's out. And uh, that that was, that was, I feel like we're... We're watching was- mic'd up footage right now. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Yeah. Um, I, I can, we, we were there, a, man. We just need some... A, burr, 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 burr. Yeah, that's right. Yes, sir. So yes, sir. Yes, me, coach. 
it, it clearly uh, what it's really bizarre that he's running and oh, oh and then he throws that dart to DeAndre Carter. I just go, that's really weird. But that's what if you look what at all throw. the pundits and what they're saying, that it's like, oh, what a leader, what a man. That's what it takes to win. So I think in some ways it's not a head knock. It's clearly not a broken bone or an ankle or anything like that. He probably knew that it was cracked ribs. Cracked ribs, generally speaking, Andy, you're the resident physio, but they don't get any worse. They're just very, very painful. But they're at cracked. Is it, what, what was it? What has he actually got in the end? Fractured, so, fractured the rib cartilage. So, your yeah. ribs attach in your, in your spine, come around, and there's your sternum, but also like cartilage that lines between the rib bones and the your chest bone, and he's damaged that. Now, I'm fresh off a rib injury myself. They... Absolutely suck. They are completely debilitating. Wally was to, it? Hey, Wally was it? Uh, no, just just coughing and being being thirty three and aging poorly. <laughs> um, no fun. No fun. What what kills me though? I just want to kind of go back a little bit more. We're talking about uh, we're talking about Joe Lombardi's play calling and not providing. What what is it that Herbert misses? Comes off the field, comes back on, and then unleashes an absolute laser, a total dot down the field. And Staley's going, you're not going to see anyone in, in the league under the circumstances making a play like that. Nobody. Why Why does it come to that? You know, why are we vanilla until the point where we need to explode into some kind of Rocky Road bubblegum business? Because we punched where, it on fourth. Uh, <laughs> what down was that? Fourth and one. It was, it was fourth down. And that's when and that was shots. I don't uh, understand it. Yeah. I thought it was really interesting. I'm not gonna I'm not gonna knock Herbert for it, but that play where it was the one right before he had the chance to walk in the first down, and he just goes, "This is this is cooked." I, I'm just throwing it into the turf. Oh, don't worry. Next snap, bang, laser beam. He could have walked down it, the right? hatch. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. Had six, seven yards uh, of space in front of him, but he's just sort of going, mm, cutting sick about it. Um, more positives. Let's get some more positives going on, uh, Kyle. Positives? Yeah. <laughs> All right. Come positives. on, come on, man. Try. <laughs> um, so this is. I don't mean this to be taken as a negative. This is a positive. Um, I actually think, uh, Alistair, you pointed out that there was a very significant gap between when Lindsley was in and when he was out. Right. In looking at the footage again, I really believe that the more substantial issue or the the bigger issue came when Storm replaced uh, Pipkins. Um, yeah. Before that, when Lindsley was out, we still had that great series with to open up the half where Mike Williams scored that touchdown. Mm. Uh, shortly after that, our next drive was a quick three and out when we were backed up against the line, if I remember correctly, or was that when Storm went in? Sorry. I may have been a brain fart no. there. But Storm, um, well, Storm came in after halftime. Yeah, Storm yeah. came. So, but Storm, but we did score that touchdown with Pipkins in, clap yep. in, and um, it was really what I noticed in watching things over again. Clap did okay. The biggest thing that he was messing up on, in my opinion, was he didn't recognize when Chris Jones was hanging over Filer, and sometimes there were a couple times where, for whatever reason. He looked to help Zion, even though Zion had the easier matchup, and literally turned his back to Filer and Chris Jones and let Chris let him get beat. Whereas Lindsley was always helping wherever uh, Jones was. It seemed like, yeah. So that was that was my uh, my biggest take. I think Pipkins is 
doing much better than we ever could have anticipated so far. Agreed. Yeah. Now that's 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 fair. Um, before we move on and break up the show a little bit, uh, I just want to point out, Kyle, you made a really uh, good observation about commenting that Mahomes was better than Herbert. We kept the Chiefs' offense to seventeen points after they put up forty-four against Arizona last week. Now we've on paper a much better defense than Arizona. Um, our goal line defense was impressive, keeping them to zero from three red zone attempts. Um, yeah. They punted six times. Uh, our missed tackle count was down significantly. Um, like Drew Tranquil started the game off like he was shot out of a cannon. Probably the biggest missed tackle culprit with, I think, three or four. But, you know, still got that sack assist for Mac to yep. finish off Mahomes deep in the backfield. He was there. He was present. And it was, it was good. Well. So that's two strong games from him. Um, yeah, look, Sante Samuel Jr., uh, I can't defend him too much on that whether the catch, whether the interception was caught because he's, he, he dropped it straight into his knee and made it very hard for himself. You just got to clunk that. Tap it down, like, same as the red zone interception. Um, or not interception. But we digress. Uh, I think we're all Jack. I just think we haven't mentioned <laughs> you his... Can, you can talk now. You put I your know, hand up. I can good talk. Boy, good I'm boy. Hey, I'm a teacher. I put my hand up. This please, oh, please, please serve me. I, I have an opinion. I actually didn't um, know you were a teacher, mate. That's astounding. <laughs> oh, I'm not sure if you <laughs> realise that I'm a teacher. Um, we haven't Sorry, mentioned mate. his name at all, but Mike Williams had a hell of a game. Uh, yeah. And that's the reason why he got paid, and he deserves it. He did go missing in the in the second half a little bit, but he had that incredible touchdown. Um, we have touched on Everett, but I'm just saying that he is everything that I didn't think he was going to be. Gerald Everett yeah. look, looks he looks like a fourth wide receiver out there. The way that he moves and his pass blocking, I think, has been far far more capable than anything else. So even though there was that really important play that whose fault was it, we don't know. Gerald Everett has been a receiving weapon, and uh, Mike Williams played an incredible game too. I just thought I'd, I'd let's leave it at that, I think, but those two were outstanding. Nice one. All right, before we get into the Jags preview, let's play a bit of a game. Woo! 2000, Mike the Star goes in the hole. Buy, sell, or hold. Jack, mate, what have we got going on here? Well, this is a game called Buy, Sell, or Hold. So what's going to happen is that we're going to, each of us has some hot takes that we're going to put out to individuals. And those individuals are going to have to decide whether they're going to buy that take, they're going to sell that take, and they don't want anything to do with it, or they're going to hold on it because we're not too sure. So I'll get things going. And I'm going to throw this one to Kyle straight up. So I'm on the trading floor. Uh, just before we see the Dolphins play tomorrow, I'm going, I'm going to sell. Uh, Kyle, Mike McDaniels will win coach of the year. Are you buying, selling, or holding that? I'm selling that. Okay. No way. I still believe in Staley, baby. I'm okay. going to be, a, like homer. I'm going to be a homer to a fault. We, we, have a, we have a long way to go here. Right, pass the phone to me. Shorts, options, buy, hold, hold, buy, sell. All right, I'm going to throw this to Andy. Andy, by season's end, Spiller will have more carries than Sony Michelle. Michelle's had 11 so far. Uh, Spiller, more carries. I'm going to sell that. I don't, I don't want to know about that. Uh, a point that I wanted to make just quickly before we move on to the next one is that um, what we did week one to week two in the run game, the same. And it it, blow, it blew my mind. We spoke about 
Josh Kelly being uh, effective. Um, I don't think we're really using Sony Michelle properly yet, and I'm not seeing any real reason from the output of the three running backs to suggest that we need to sit one and bring in Isaiah Spiller. Uh, it's the play calling for me, and I don't see um, Sony Michelle. I, I think Sony Michelle's <clears throat> too valuable in the run game to uh, reduce his carries. Uh, all right, Jack, I throw this one to you. We spoke a bit about the Trey Lance-Justin Fields uh, matchup last week. We were both excited to see it. The 49ers, uh, having lost that game, now have a relatively difficult schedule leading up to their eight-week bye, a uh, week eight bye. Struggles against Chicago in the wet, as I said. They've got a couple of tough divisional contests either side of the Broncos in week three. Uh, might see the playoff hopefuls slump to a one and four early start if they can't uh, pick it up against the Seahawks. Trey Lance will be replaced come week seven matchup against Kansas City at Arrowhead, and Jimmy G will be the starter. Buy, sell, hold. Yep, I'm buying that. I haven't seen enough from the 49ers quarterback. I'm buying that. Jimmy G is going to come in, and they're going to look a a little more uh, coherent on offense. Ah, we're obviously channeling the amazing The Wolf of Wall Street, which is all about buying, selling, and holding. Alistair, the Minnesota Vikings have the most intimidating player entrance in the NFL. Buy, sell, or hold. You're going to have to give me an impression of what their player entrance is. (laughs) It's the Viking horn, and they run out. I'm buying that. You know, I love a bit of the old Lord of the Rings, and it is pretty exciting. I love it when they come out with the old... Some kind of some kind of Viking reference would have slapped way harder than Lord of the Rings, but why on? We really know how to play into our strengths here. <laughs> All right, it's up to Kyle. Is it on this one? I think uh, it was just th- it was just thrown to you. So, All right, I'll throw a question yeah. to you, Kyle. Yeah. Here's a proposition. In this year's playoffs, there will be at least two first-time head coaches whose teams make it. So just as a reminder, the first-time head coaches are Nathaniel Hackett, Mike McDaniel, Matt Eberflus, Brian Dayball, and Kevin O'Connell. At least two first-time head coaches will feature in the playoffs. I'm going to have to sell that. I don't see it yet. I think maybe McDaniels. I think Dayball has got a long road ahead of him. It's going to be a two-year, three-year turnaround for that team. Uh, the Giants. So, no, I'd, I'd sell that for now. But okay. Mike okay. Daniels, you're already halfway there, and he's probably going to sneak in with a wild card at least. Mm. All right, so, Jack, I want to go to you. Um, I didn't realize we were keeping this uh, across the NFL, guys, so I might edit a couple more of these. But um, Whatever you want, mate. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Jack, so as we, as we kind of talked about in the offseason, there's tiers to this. There's levels to this, as they would say, when you're looking at right tackle compensation. Morgan Mar- Mo- Morgan Moses got paid $5 million a year. year. Lyle Collins set the market for this year's offseason for right tackles at $7 million. Cornelius Lucas, 3.25. So if I'm Trey Pipkin's agent, would you – Give me an offer for extending Trey Pipkins around two years, $3 million a year. Would you take that? I will hold on that. I will hold. Uh, I think 
with the line as it is at the moment, I'd like to see what prospects we have in the first four rounds at right tackle as rookies because I think that with Zion Johnson in a second year next year, he's going to be a very, very good anchor for if there is a rookie available. So I'm going to, I'm going to hold on that. I, I'd wait and see what the prospects are and what the free agent market on right tackle is. If I were to buy it, I think three million, two point five to three million for two years is probably almost bang on. And if he's asking any more of that, get out of town. <laughs> Andy, uh, I've, I've crossed. You're the last one. I'm going to send this to. So uh, this is a little more of a meta one. Cleveland's new logo, Brownie the Elf, <laughs> is an improvement on the helmet. <sighs> However, even nor even elves can be a little naughty. Uh, okay, so is the proposition that their it's new an logo is better? Yeah, I'm, better. I'm, I'm buying that. I'm buying that because the, the helmet was probably the most vanilla thing that's been been around uh, on this league from a, a marketing point of view. Uh, I don't know about the name Brownie. Um, I know you've got a good mate called Brownie, so you might have some um, stronger stronger affiliation with that than I. Um, Brown. The elf as well. It's a bit how you going, but look, uh, you can't do much with that organisation at the moment to make them seem any shitter than they currently are. So, uh, <laughs> well sure, a little bit, a little bit of fun. Uh, I'm buying that. I'll, I'll, I'll take Brownie the elf over the helmet. Love it. All right, Alistair. Yes, the Broncos sir. seemed to struggle last week against the Seahawks. Capped off with a humdinger of a coaching call from uh, first year Nathaniel Hackett at the end of the game. I don't see it working out between Wilson and Hackett, personally. The first-year head coach will battle, and the Broncos are going to finish last in the AFC West. Hold the fort on that one. I'm going to give them a bit more time. It was the first time they've ever played all together. It was in hostile enemy territory, one of the loudest stadiums in the NFL. And I thought the actual offensive play calling was pretty good. A lot of the receivers were wide open in spaces. But I agree they will be third or fourth battling out with the Raiders. I think us and the Chiefs are in our own league, but not quite willing to say yet that the Broncos finish last. My last one now, I throw to you, Jack. On Halloween, so the 31st of October, the Chicago Bears will have a winning record. They face... Green Bay at Green Bay, Texans at home, New York Giants at New York, Minnesota in Minnesota, Commanders at home, Patriots in New England, and the Cowboys in Dallas. And of course, they're 1-0 at the moment. Chicago Bears will have a winning record come Halloween. I've just done a quick win tally, as you were saying each name, and I'm going to have to buy that. I like the Bears, and I like Justin Fields. I think they're going to be okay. Uh, shout out to, actually, speaking of Chicago, <laughs> there's a fantastic show on Disney Plus at the moment called The Bear uh, about working hospitality. So if you haven't watched that, go out and watch it because it's proved to be fantastic viewing. Uh, I think I'm all, out of, I'm all out of them. So, Kyle, did you have a few more buy more sell? I, I, I can't remember. Or are you – is everyone out? Yeah, I'll send this one to Andy. Andy – if, let's say, Tom Brady does play this year, he is either going to retire – or, sorry, finishes out this year and decides to play again next year, he's effectively going to decide to play until he's 50. 
At the end of this year, he's either going to retire if he decides to play again. He's out with Giselle. She's given him the ultimatum. So if he's choosing to let her go, he's going to play until he's 50. Would you buy that? Goodbye, my lover. (laughs) Goodbye, my friend. Uh, That's that's a great question. I'm going to sell it. Um, I... Oh, look, the home, the stuff on the home front is, um, it's bad. It's, it's bad from that point of view. He's essentially lied to his wife and said, yeah, yeah, yeah baby, I'm going to look after the kids. I'm going to look after the kids. Um, nah, nah, I'm not doing it this year. She's a babe. <clears throat> and sure, he has probably had, he's, he's probably had more plastic surgery than she has. Um, but I'm going to say this, this will be his last year. I'm sticking by that. All right, I've got one more, and as it happens, it's going back to you, Kyle. Okay. So I've just got to pick which one I want. Uh, I've spoken about the Vikings. Okay. Charges related. The injuries to the O-line starters and Justin Herbert coming out of this week's game could prematurely derail the season. But it's not going to matter because the Chargers' defense will be the highest-scoring defense in the NFL, and we can ride off their coattails. I'm going to sell that. Uh, I I love it. I, I love the thought. We're in too tough of a division. And I don't think Chase Daniels can carry us. And it's going to get right back to what has frustrated us so much on Bolts from the Blue. But we're going to have retained two roster spots and have about half a backup quarterback. So, yeah. You know, yeah. I think Chase Daniels might is a great mentor. I don't know why Easton sticks there. I don't think we're going to find out either. Oh well, uh, you know, if if he gets sat, then we're probably going to activate a second quarterback. And everyone who said, "Well, why are we carrying two quarterbacks, Justin Herbert?" Sorry, why are we carrying three quarterbacks? Justin Herbert's never going to get injured. That's all mud on the face. I I agree with you though. I I don't yeah. think that uh, either of those guys is going to be enough. I mean, Chase Daniel looked good on his handoff uh, on the one play that uh, <laughs> <laughs> he had. But, um, yeah, I tend to agree with you. I don't think we have any stability in our backup quarterback room. Gotcha. All right. Well, I, I, I do have one more. I haven't asked Alistair oh. one yet. So I got to say that. Quickly, so, Alistair, before, before, on the trading floor. Here we go. Yeah, before the trading yes. floor is closed. Quick, quickly, quickly. Before we ring so, the bell. Alistair. Start. Uh, Aaron Rodgers was just setting the degree of difficulty for the rest of his season this last week. After this week, he's going to take off. He's going to do very well, especially after the bye week. They're going to go on a hike, do some ayahuasca, come together as a team, (laughs) and he's going to return to be a, you know, three-peat MVP in the National Football League. Three years in a row, that is. Do you buy, sell, or hold that? I sell the MVP chat. I, okay. I, I liked it right until I like the kumbaya and the matcha tea and some ayahuasca. And the Percocets. But I don't think – yeah, <laughs> yes, exactly. But I don't think he's got a third MVP back-to-back. There are too many good quarterbacks in the league, so I'm going to sell. And the trading floor has just closed. I got it in. Good job. Nice. <laughs> yeah, I just I – on that, I don't, I don't know if he's got the weapons that are able to, to help him, you know. Winning two years in a row with the best wide receiver in the league is a different kettle of fish to having Alan Lazard as your wide receiver number one yeah. and two rookie wide receivers who have drop issues. Yeah. All right. Well, that's our that's our first edition of buy sell hold. Um, our our go on the trading floor. We'll refine that, <laughs> but good fun. <laughs> All right. Let's move right along to our, our week three opponent, the Jacksonville Jaguars. Uh, we've got a nice 10-11 day rest. 
heading into that one. Coming out of the week two matchup, Thursday night football with the Chiefs, obviously Chargers had a bit of injury news wrap up to, well, we've got a bit of injury news wrap up to go through. Offensive lineman Corey Lindsley seems to have suffered knee tendonitis just before half time. Look, it seems to be a relatively manageable ailment. Um, I don't know the severity of it, so I can't s- suggest how many games he might miss. Um, but there is chat that you know you could sit out six weeks to let it heal properly. Um, in the in the realm of professional sports, there's always painkillers and the the jabs. So, look, wasn't too bad with Will Clapp, but I don't want to say Will Clapp as the starting centre going forward. So let's hope for a speedy recovery there. Trey Pipkins. No applause t- for Will Clapp. Yeah, no. Sorry. Pun, pun well and truly <laughs> intended poorly. Well done. Um, pay, Trey Pipkins turned his ankle early in the second half, was replaced by Storm Norton. Um, and goes without saying, fractured rib cartilage to Justin Herbert. He will be a day-to-day situation when the, once the charges return. It is better that he's sort of damaged the cartilage a bit compared to a broken bone. However, um, cartilage gets far less blood supply, blood supply um, as a soft tissue aspect and therefore longer recovery. So, look, I mean, if he sat out for six months, it might heal fine. We don't want to even mention that. Um, so that's that's what I've got from, from the Chargers news point, guys. Is there anything I've missed out or things that you think are crucial to be added to that before I throw to Kyle for his Jags wrap-up? Nope. Oh. Okay. Kyle, man, what are you seeing from the Jacksonville Jaguars from week one? Yeah, the Jags, uh, the biggest takeaway for me was I, I couldn't believe that their biggest offensive performer last year, James Robinson, uh, came back as strongly as he did. Uh, I was thinking that uh, ATN was going to be kind of the locomotive for that team that got everything moving. But really, um, right now we're looking at a Doug Peterson that has a very Doug Peterson type team. Uh, he's got a stable of very productive running backs. He has two tight ends, at least, that he really likes to use in Arnold and in um, Evan Ingram. And that's very relevant for those that somehow haven't drafted a fantasy team or if you're doing the waiver wire hunt. Peterson, while with the Eagles, gave his tight ends a 32% target share, which I thought was really interesting. So he really flows through the tight ends. Very high, very high. So um, in that time, Ertz had a four-year period where he had where he received between 106 and 156 targets four years consecutively so the chargers can in a few ways implement a very similar strategy that we had against the chiefs just with it you know being kind of a watered down version of the team we just played they have a mobile quarterback that does have an arm does like to improvise isn't as good at it but similar traits there and a lot of things should be flowing through the tight end although Peterson does seem to have taken to Christian Kirk because he did get a decent amount of targets and had a pretty decent game. But um, it should be interesting. I think on the other side of the ball, what's most interesting to me about this team, though, is that their first round or the first overall pick, Walker, in week one made me feel like a fool for thinking that was a very terrible pick. Guy got a tackle for a loss, a sack, and somehow made a beautiful read and got an interception, which <laughs> was mind-blowing to me. 
ball that he batted down himself. Incredible yeah. athleticism. Hit some of the bend that he was having around the the, the line as well. Oh, man, he, he really looked to cast doubt on those who said, can't believe you spent number one pick on him. He was impressive, man. Oh, gosh, guys, if we'd all been playing buy, sell, or hold six months ago and you said, Kyle, the Walker is the third best defensive lineman on Georgia's front, I would have said bye. I believe so. Yeah. Like, they, they had Wyatt and uh, Davis uh, I yeah. ranked above him. But, hey, uh, Jaguars making the great decisions, not something I'm used to. So, nice. other than that, we get to revisit with Sean Jenkins, an old safety of the Chargers. Um, that's kind of exciting. But, overall, it's a team that at any given point does seem to be well-matched with its head coach. I would not be surprised to see them perform well. The biggest thing to watch for is what kind of game they have this week, because this is the game that every year they typically go and pick up a win. They play Indianapolis very well at their home. So are we going to see a Jaguars that's coming off a very emotion, big emotional victory if they beat the Colts again and have the opportunity to be above 500 for the first time in a long time for that organization when they come to play us? So. That's that's pretty much what I've got for my preview. But uh, uh, let's go back to Jack. Uh, what do you have for strengths and charge Jag strengths and charger threats? Yeah, I think um, sort of. I'm just going to unpack a couple of things that you said there, Cole. Uh, I definitely saw when I watched the game that Lawrence is building that chemistry with his receivers. I think Christian Kirk and Zay Jones were they had 21 targets between them, but they only had 12 receptions. So there's some there's some drop issues there. I think that whilst it's going to be fairly predictable that they're going to be targeting the tight ends and the wide receivers quite heavily, but you mix in that, as you said, the, the Robinson, the ETN running backs, they've got some weapons. Uh, they really do have some weapons. And just a couple of things for ETN, he had four carries for 47 at 11.8 and Robinson had 11 carries for 66, uh, six per uh, carry and a touchdown as well. And again, I think I noted this on a, I think it was a mailbag a couple of weeks ago that they're quite different in the way that they operate. ETN, def- a lot of his runs were pushing outside and they were yep. really, he was really, um, flashing down the, um, down the sideline or wanting to get there. Whereas Robinson is a little bit more of your power runner, but both of them can catch out of the backfield. So our linebackers and Kenneth Murray is going to have a big, big task. Uh, and the other thing that I thought was fascinating is that the Jags' rush defense only gave up three yards um, against Washington. Now, it'll be – the one thing that I want to watch is the rush defense against someone like a Jonathan Taylor and see how well they hold up there. Yeah. Uh, because three yards per against Washington is amazing, yes, but, uh, you know, that's not a Jonathan Taylor or an Austin Eckler. Uh, you touched on Trayvon Walker, but Devin Lloyd had 11 tackles on his debut, and I thought he played really well. So just a couple of things there. They've got a lot of weapons, um, and I think Lawrence is slowly learning. Uh, so we're gonna our, our secondary and our linebackers, I think, are going to have a, have, a, have a big job to do on uh, when we play them. I Elsa, think they need to realize, got- Jack, that, the, that they need to lean into their strength because if mm-hmm. their running backs are a strength of theirs, last week – they only let them carry the ball 15 times between them for 113 exactly. yards. Why did they have Trevor Lawrence throw it 42 times? He, yeah, it I don't know. I think they need to lean into that strength. And I also thought Foyasad Aluakon looked active um, next to Devin Lloyd. I agree 100%. And they were 23 and 33. So you're not used to seeing those numbers on linebackers. They're mega athletes. Yeah. Uh, as to their weaknesses, I thought I still think there's quite a few. Because as you said, they're a young team. They're still learning their craft and learning how to play together. 
I actually think Trevor Lawrence is struggling. Whether it's to do with Urban Meyer last year, I'm not very impressed with what I'm seeing out of him overall. We're talking about an overall number one pick who they drew comparisons to John Elway, Andrew Luck, Peyton Manning. He's woefully inaccurate. He's throwing the ball behind receivers late. His base doesn't look stable in the pocket. But then every now and then you go, okay, there's the arm talent. All right, that was a zinger. So the talent is there, but on a week-to-week basis, he is still highly unpredictable. Play-by-play basis is inconsistent. So I think there will be ample opportunities for the Chargers to you know, pick the ball off, um, for, exa- for example. And then I guess another weakness I th- thought was noticeable is the offensive line. Mm. Whether that is matched to Lawrence holding the ball a bit long, I'm not sure, but they gave up 20 pressures against the Commanders and you can attack... You know, Cam Robinson at left tackles is not fantastic. Ben Barch at left guard, their centers are rookie. So those were two, you know, clear weaknesses yeah. that were, um, you know, noticeable to me. Any other particular weaknesses? Anyone else? Maybe an Andy? Did you, do you think anything <clears throat> else they struggle with? Uh, look, they're both big points. I thought their interior line was far inferior as far as their, um, their pass protection. We could get a nice, nice bit of rush, uh, in the B gap. There, taking advantage, yeah, like you said, uh, rookie center Luke Fortner. Cam, Cam Robinson was actually probably one of their stronger ones in protection, which was uh, interesting. He's not typically that way. Um, and, yeah, for me, this is the same. Really being able to seek the opportunity for turnovers uh, on these mistimed throws. Um, mm. New new system for the second-year quarterback. Whole raft of new receivers. Um, New quarterback just coach too, Andy, in the old um, uh, Mike uh, Mike McCoy. Oh, yeah, Mister Mister Milk Toast. <laughs> yeah, well, gosh, uh, you know, it's just do a good, do, do a good job. Okay, pal. Um, yeah, you're just not uh, seeing that that chemistry between the quarterback and the receivers yet. So I think that's going to be um, a big avenue for us, Kyle. How about you, man? Yeah, I think and, and you guys have touched on it. I think it's really interesting to pair a rookie center. That's not even one of the top centers that came out, right? Uh, he was a third round pick, I believe, with a second year quarterback. You know, I think one of the smartest things, and I think you guys have probably heard me or seen me say this probably too much on Bolts from the Blue, is I think one of the smartest things we did was go and pair Justin Herbert with a vet center because that's a very big leadership position on the offensive line. You're making calls and to have a third round pick rookie with out somebody that can really coach him up behind him, you know, like Rivers used to do, which I still didn't like. But when we had an inexperienced center, at least we knew we had a, a dog behind him that could mm-hmm. help him out a little bit and make some calls for him when need be. So I would expect that offense to struggle early on. Maybe they do ramp up later on in the season as they both gain some experience. But I couldn't imagine being a center and having to adjust to the game and worry about the four linemen around me as a rookie. That just seems very, like, too much. Like, too much. Um, but that'd be my biggest takeaway. So, in terms of keys to victory, though, and Staley's game plan, um, guys, I don't, I don't know how you guys are feeling about this, but personally, and, and this goes back to us talking about you know, Herbert being left in the game and putting on like that just leadership performance and really amping the guys up. We all saw the players hopping on Twitter afterwards and posting how this is our team. This is like, we got a, we got a squad. 
Um, if I'm Staley, I'm putting it back on the team right now and saying, like, you saw Herbert just go out there and <laughs> risk his body, leave it all out there on the field for you guys. Um, Sacrifice. Not to, do- not to dog the other players, but what injury do you think was worse? Because I saw where I think Trey hurt his ankle, and he stayed out for another series after that, and I think he said, I, I don't know if I can do it. Um, I think River, or, or I think Rivers, I think Herbert's ribs are a little more serious than Pipkin's ankle. Maybe even Lindsay's knee arthritis so taken up. Like I, that was a more serious injury. He stayed in, balled out. I'm putting it on the other team now. I want to see, like you guys were mentioning, the rushing game come alive. I want to see um, the attitude of the team change a little bit, and for Staley to give some sort of rousing speech that says, "Hey, this is a challenge to each and every one of you guys. We have brought in players that we believe we're going to turn this offense into a smash mouth running team that has the ability to both." beat you up on the ground and then dunk it over your head for a deep pass. So let's prioritize this. I want to see Xander Horvath get six or eight carries. Well, so Kyle, does that mean you would, would you strength. go so far as to sit Herbert in this game to let him to recover or, or not? I, I am torn there. I am absolutely torn there. If you go that strategy, I think you can. I think you try to limit how, you know, Limit him to quick dropbacks, three-step, some stuff from the shotgun, pat a ball getting out pretty quick, or adding in a little bit of extra protection up front and then sling in a deep one. Um, I would not be upset if we let Chase Daniels play. I saw you uh, shaking and, your head, Jack. You're going the but, other way on it. Yeah. But no. are, are you, is this – yeah, fair, Jack. I'm, I'm with you. But I want to yeah. know, is this relative to Corey Lindsley suiting up, Trey Pipkin suiting up? Because I'm not having – I know it's it's it, it's robbing Peter question. to pay Paul to say I'm only playing Justin Herbert injured if those two starting offensive linemen aren't there. Where in most likelihood his chance of getting injured further is increased. But if Corey Lindsley and Trey Pipkins aren't playing, you just can't play Chase Daniel or Easton Stick. Oh God, no! I'm absolutely that, playing Chase Daniel I, I, for the reason you just mentioned. Yeah, I am yeah. not leaving no, him in you're there. You're saying different things. Carl's saying yeah, I don't want I, Herbert playing with that leaky line. No, oh, so you're ha- no. you're happy to sacrifice Chase Daniel? Oh, oh God, yes, yes. <laughs> even if um, even if we struggle to put up ten points on offense. Yes, absolutely. It's no, I, it's right, it's hard. Right, to, no. It's 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 hard to say, but. You also look at how much money that man's made per touchdown he's thrown. He's going to be fine. He's made over one hundred sixty thousand dollars per pass attempt, I believe. Yeah, that's yeah. <laughs> that's crook. Um, this is where less- we're at. I think. Sorry, this yeah. is where we're at. Is that we've got a large break. There's enough time to install whatever quick fire offense we need. There's enough time for Herbert to get a rib cage on to feel it to understand what the pain is going to be like. There's plenty enough. If it was a seven Straight day break, rib cage, I like fine. It. Well, you know how Herbert used to wear the that exoskeleton. Exoskeleton. Yeah. Um, I, if I, if I'm like, Staley, um, yeah, I'm like going. Yeah, like the Guardian helmet, but for your ribs. Correct. Mushroom guts. Mushroom guts. Uh, but you know what I'm doing? Like I'm, I'm calling out the the defense and saying that Lawrence was hit ten times against Washington. Let's hit, let's hit Lawrence fifteen times. And you know what? The freaking Jags let Wentz throw for four touchdowns and 313 yards. And yeah. I, you know what I'm saying? I'm going, fuck you. And I'm saying, you go out and throw for 400 and five touchdowns, Justin Herbert injured. And you send a whole message to the league and we win by three touchdowns. That's what I'm doing. Put the warrior in there. Put the road warrior in there. We almost had enough of a this. whole episode without having to use our explicit tag. We get one hour and 11 minutes, two <laughs> minutes left. 
I've had enough of this conservatism. What's going on with this conservatism? Oh, we're not going for it. No, put Herbert in there. Trust in your guns. Let Herbert cook. Well, Jack, they played, they played a lot of soft cover, too, last week, too. So, I mean, if you want to attack them on the sideline or up the seam for some deep passes, that's where the opportunities are Cisco, be. Jenkins, Shaq Griffin, you can attack them. And they're a young team. If you establish Darius a lead Williams early, the they, won't, well. they won't come back. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, I'd like to see – I spoke about this a bit in the, um, the recap from the Chiefs game. I'd really like to see the shift in how we use our running backs, similar to, you know, talking about – Sander Horvath having six to eight carries. Josh Kelly has the hot hand at the moment. Um, Eckler in gap schemes, it's not it's not working. So we've we've really got to change that up. Um, get the play action going early so we can start to utilize uh, their deficiencies down the field with Jenkins and Cisco as the safeties and Darius Williams in the slot got destroyed last week. So um, yeah, get get the, the running game moving. Um, but look, it, so much of it's dependent on. Who's available? Who's available to suit up on the offensive line? And if Herbert's good to go, real interesting. Um, let's go some predictions. I'm going to start us off. Uh, I'm going to say that Herbert's going to play uh, can, with the guts and heart that he showed, and I think it's going to lift the rest of the team. Chargers are going to win 27-13. I'm going to say Herbert plays, throws five touchdowns, Love 41-7. Oh, oh, that's hot sauce. You beat me up. Charges 35, Jag 17, Herbert plays. Right on. All right, Carl, it's down to you, man. What do you got? I'll put it at uh, 24 to 10, Chargers, Herbert plays. Herbert plays. And All I right. think the defense balls out, and I think they run the ball a ton. Yeah, I'd really like to see that. I think that's been the, the one disappointing thing is just the consistency. Lack of consistency in the in the run game. And, and Xander just, Horvath gets another touchdown. Yes. <laughs> oh, man, how good. I was thinking about it actually when we watched the game. One of the um, the questions that you posed to me, who will have the most touchdowns, Parham, um, Horvath, or Gabe Neighbors? Incredible. <laughs> and uh, I wasn't expecting this, this, this start for Horvath. I was pumped when I saw his highlight tape when we drafted him. His preseasons looked great. Man, get him, get him the ball more. The guy yes. can catch. The guy can block. I'm sure he can run. What are you doing? Use him more. I he can it. run. He's a powerful running back. I'm waiting for them to let not him afraid of contact now. either. Yeah, not just go to the flat, but curl like do a quick Texas route because that was the route I saw him practicing on his pro day, and mm. it was electric. So once teams start cheating that way because they see that that's a play that we run, wait for him to come across and just tear people right up the gut. I love it. And yeah. good luck to any safety that's getting in front of him, uh, mm-hmm. however much he weighs in the 6'3". Six, six, Sander Horvath across the middle. Love it. Let's go. <laughs> Come on. Come on, guys. Let's get the energy up. Let's go. We've got 14 days before the game. Come on. Yeah. No, I love it. I love it, Jack. Well, yeah, you know, it's, it was hard to get into, into gear today with dealing with the loss. We're still not quite over it. Um, and there's concerning things that we saw last year. Uh I'm glad that we ramped it up and we got all positive towards the end of the show. It's really good. We're playing the Jaguars. This is the time to bounce back. This is the time where we regroup and we go, okay, we've lost to the Chiefs. Now, no more prisoners. We're crushing skulls and I want to see it. Um, and look, we're all on the same page. It's going to be a good win. Um, guys, unless there's anything else for you, I think that's just about all we have time for today. Uh, a massive thank you again to Kyle taking time out of your day. Thanks for joining us, man. It is always awesome to have you on the show. 
we look forward to getting in touch with you soon, hearing all your thoughts and how we're progressing and looking forward to having you on the show again soon. So let's enjoy. There's, there's not going to be an episode for us until um, after the next game. Please follow us on Twitter at TDU underscore charges to get involved in all the discourse. We love hearing feedback from you guys commenting on YouTube and, and all that stuff. So, look, we'll, you won't see our faces for a, a, a well-deserved sort of break. We can recuperate. <laughs> get back in the winner's column. Um, it's been awesome to positively break this down as, as best we can and look forward to, hopefully, big win in week three against the Jaguars. Guys, stay classy out there. And uh, we will see you next time on the Thunder Down Under Chargers podcast. See you. See you later. Turning, got it, 6 and 10, 5, high step, touchdown, San Diego!